Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We are glad that you're joining us today. Stay tuned for a message from Apostle Jane Hammond as she concludes the night of the impartation. Enjoy, and God bless. I'm singing over you songs of deliverance. It is my heart to come to you and set you free. No spirit of infirmity can stand against thee. of shalom over my people. And so, Lord, we speak that now, that every binding force of pain, every blinding force of pain, everything the enemy had in mind to fence us in and to cause us to close down, we declare the wind is blowing, the rain is falling, and that we're opening up, we're blossoming, we're sprouting, we're coming alive, we're being free now to begin to grow and to begin to show your glory more than ever before. We speak pain go! You can't stay in this house. You can't stay in this house. Come on, say it about the house of God, your body. You can't stay in this house. God's singing and declaring songs of deliverance over me and I receive my freedom. Come on, give a shout of victory. Hey! singing about the breath of God. Take a deep breath and breathe in the life of God. Breathe in the health of God. Breathe in the peace of God. Breathe breathe in the joy of the Holy Ghost. Breathe in the smile of heaven upon your life. God loves you. And like a good dad, he wants to free you from every pain and bear that which you cannot bear alone. Father, right now, we thank you for that. We receive it now. In Jesus' name. Turn to somebody and say, I see you are free. Come on, just decree it. Hallelujah. And if everybody would mind standing together before we're all seated together, let's stand up together. 
you know, um, at the beginning of this year, uh, I started studying out the number 17. And the interesting thing in scripture, I started reading all the 17th chapters in scripture. And I found that the number 17 is actually tied directly to the concept of victory, triumph, and overcoming your enemies. Come on, how many believe that there's some enemies you're gonna overcome this year? Come on, how many believe that there's some victories, that maybe some battles you fought, that you still need to see a victory? Now let me say this, is that a lot of times when we come, we are listening prophetically for a sound from heaven. How many came ready to listen for a sound from heaven? But I want you to understand something, that oftentimes when we're talking about breakthrough or victory, Many times that comes because God is listening for a sound from earth. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. At the walls of Jericho, the breakthrough didn't happen. Yes. Until God heard a sound in the earth so that he could release a sound from heaven. So I want us to release a sound in this place tonight. A sound of victory. A sound. that God brought them out with a high hand. This is what a high hand looks like. Okay, that was not invented by the NBA. Okay, that was invented by God. So turn to your neighbor and just give them a high hand of victory and say, we've got victory in this place tonight and tonight is your night of breakthrough. Woo, hallelujah. Yeah. can be seated if you want or you can stand or you can roll in the aisles you can do anything all right hallelujah because we're free here tonight you know why do we why do we activate you to do something like shout well scripture tells us we're to shout unto God with a voice of triumph okay so scripture actually uh, is very explicit about us participating with an atmosphere that God is creating and God doesn't just want it to be something that we're receiving in our head. Tonight, we're going to bring some prophetic things out, and we're going to be laying hands on each and every one of you. Because in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul said, I long to come to you that I might impart some spiritual gift to the end that you might be established. And so when we gather together in very strategic times like this, I believe that God has an impartation for you that's going to cause you you personally to come up to a higher level, but I believe that God's going to cause you corporately to rise to a new place, to a higher level, because God is saying it's time to come higher. Amen? And so every time God speaks something prophetically tonight, I want us to pray that our head is connected to our heart. Come on. Because sometimes it's very easy to hear something with just our head and not actually activate it with our heart. So, because we do have seven grandchildren, I'm going to tell you a little story 
about one of them. This, this little guy's name is Aiden. He's now six, but this happened last year. Um, his mom, this is our, our son's second son, number two out of three. And his mom was putting him to bed. And she said, now, Aiden, listen, I'm going to put your little brother to bed. But I do not want to come out here and find you playing in the playroom with your toys. Do you understand me? Yes, mommy, I understand you. Okay, just to be clear, you know I want you to stay in your bed. Yes, mommy, I understand you. So she went in to put Lucas to bed. She came out, and Aiden's in the playroom playing with his cars. And she says, Aiden, didn't we talk about this? Yes, mommy. Didn't I tell you to stay in your bed? Yes, mommy. Didn't I say don't come out and play in the playroom with your toys? Yes, mommy. Then why are you here? And he said, well, mommy, my head told me to stay in bed but my heart told me to come play how many know we better get our head and our heart connected all right because a lot of times we hear things with our head and our heart doesn't agree tonight God wants to get our head and our heart in agreement so lay your hands on your head lay your hands on your heart and say God connect my head with my heart so that I can hear and receive the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got good news for you tonight. How many came last night and and know that we declared that good news is breaking out everywhere? Amen. At the beginning of this year, I was seeking the Lord and I heard the Lord say this to tell the people of God during this season of time that we're in. I heard the Lord say, it's a comeback year. It's a comeback year. Now, when I heard the Lord say that, he kind of put a little phrase with it where he said this, tell the people that your setbacks are only setups for your comebacks. Come on, your setbacks. How many feel like you've gone through some setbacks? Setbacks in your finances, setbacks in your family. Come on, wave your hand if you've had setbacks in your health, setbacks in your circumstances. God is declaring, I'm going to take everything the enemy meant against you for evil, and I'm going to turn it around for your good. Your setbacks are only setups for a comeback. Amen? And so, just like we talked last night when God spoke something, we did what every reasonable prophet would do, and we Googled the word comeback. And I want to give you this definition because I love this definition. Definition of the comeback. A regaining of success, fame, health, prosperity. And I love this next word, etc. Come on, how many want that etc. anointing on your life? It is, it means recovery, revival, resurgence. Come on, God's bringing a resurgence. I just want to declare right now that God is bringing a resurgence at restoration. Hallelujah. A resurgence of passion. It means to return to a former good position or condition after a loss, it is the act of making up for a deficit. How many are getting that not just in your head, but you're letting it get down into your heart right now? Say, I want you to say, it's my comeback year. Amen. So I saw this actually really illustrated at this year's Super Bowl. How many watch this year's Super Bowl? 
how many could really care less what happened at the Super Bowl? Okay, well, we're football fans in our house, and every Sunday during football season, we are professional football fans. So, meaning we like professional football, not meaning that we are fans for a living, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But we are Dallas Cowboy fans, all right? Do I have any Cowboy fans in the house? All right, I just felt the anointing just go to a whole nother level, okay? And every single Sunday, we root for two teams. We root for the Dallas Cowboys, and we root for whoever is playing the New England Patriots. We do not like the New England Patriots, okay? And so this year, when we came into the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons, um, we were rooting for the Falcons because we don't like the Patriots. But I have to say, I think that there was something very prophetic in the fact that even though they went down by how many points? 28 points. You know what? There has never been a comeback from that far behind. But I believe that God was drawing a giant exclamation point behind this word comeback when being down 28 points, it looked absolutely impossible. Come on, it looked absolutely impossible for there to be a comeback. And yet, there was a comeback and they moved forward and they won. Now let me just say, you can come back and not win. But I'm not talking about the kind of comeback where you just come back and you tie or you come back and you fall behind. I'm talking about a comeback where it may look like it's impossible, but God declares with God, nothing is impossible. And not only are you gonna come back, you're gonna go ahead and you're gonna win. (laughs) I also think it was very prophetic that a team named the Patriots made a comeback. Because I just declare to you that the patriots in this nation are making a comeback. And then we're taking back our nation. We're taking back the things that the enemy has stolen. And we're going to promote God's kingdom cause. Amen? The gospel is a comeback message. Everything about the gospel is a comeback message. Jesus moved among the crowds and healed the sick and health came back. on he's walking along and there's somebody burying their son he laid hands on him and that and that kid made a comeback amen the whole gospel is a comeback message as a matter of fact they 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 crucified jesus they hung him on the cross they speared him in the side they put him in the grave and they said it's impossible There's too big of a deficit. Let me tell you, when you're dead, that's a big deficit. But Jesus made a comeback that is still reverberating down through history because the grave could not hold him. Death could not hold him. And his comeback is your comeback. I said his comeback is your comeback. His victory is your victory. And he said, because I made a comeback, you're going to make a comeback. It's a comeback year. And I want you to say this with me. Say, my setbacks are only setups for my comebacks. You realize that Jesus could not have fulfilled his destiny by triumphing over death, hell, and the grave 
unless he went to the grave. How many believe that's a pretty big setback? But how many also believe it was a setup? Come on, the cross was a setup. Jesus set the devil up. And I'm telling you something. Some of you feel like the enemy has been dogging your path, dogging your tracks. I am telling you that you are just being set up for a mighty comeback and a mighty season of victory. Now, how many of you were here a couple years ago when I was here? I think it was 2015. I brought a word to you then that I want to kind of pick up on and kind of move forward with to kind of help you get positioned to understand what this is going to mean for you. When I was here in 2015, I shared a word that the Lord had spoken to me. And I'm going to remind everybody, especially for the fact that um, I, don't re- I don't expect you to remember everything I preached two years ago. I hope you remembered something that I preached two years ago. But there's also people here that, that weren't here. But let me just tell you that at the beginning of 2015, I was praying. And the Lord began to download something into my heart. And he said, I'm bringing the church... Hallelujah. Uh, Is that me or is that that? Okay, all right. Well, I need some new light. Here we go. Okay, so the Lord said, I'm getting ready to bring the church into three years of doing phenomenal signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, let me just say this. Everybody, everybody, it's all right. Is it my mic? I can speak loud without a mic if I need to. The Lord said, I'm bringing my people into three years. You know, I just want to say, every time, and it... (laughs) But every time there's a significant word (laughs) that is coming forth in this house, crazy things like this happens. How many of you guys remember about two months ago, some of the weirdest stuff we ever experienced but it was a powerful word of the Lord that God brought forth that day. So, listen, the devil can't stop nothing. Amen? He can't stop nothing. When, uh, when I first preached the message that I brought out of the Cyrus Decree book where we were really dealing with some things territorially, and we are going to deal with some things tonight. Um, Literally, while I preached that message, um, our brand new soundboard melted down. But I preached that message with no microphone. We don't even have it recorded. And um, I'm not preaching that message tonight, but I learned that I had to pray over sound systems whenever I preached that message. Because the first three churches I preached that message in, I melted their sound system. So I found out that the devil gets really, really mad when you get people shouting for victory. And when you get people expecting God to move, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we've seen it too. We've seen it too. 
So in 2015, we're gonna try this again, all right? 2015, the Lord said to me, I want you to, to, to tell my people that they're coming into three years where they're gonna see incredible signs, wonders, and miracles. How many are, how many are believing for miracles? How many, how many want a miracle? How many want to need a miracle? Yeah, nobody wants to need a miracle. Let me just clue you in. The only way you get a miracle is to need a miracle. Remember, your setbacks are only setups for your comebacks. You don't get a miracle unless you need a miracle. It's kind of the good news, bad news thing, right? <laughs> but the Lord said, I'm bringing my people into three years of incredible signs, wonders, and miracles. And the purpose of it is to restore hope to my church so that my church can restore hope to the world. Come on, how many believe that God wants to fill you so full of hope that everywhere you go, you're spilling hope over, amen? And right after that, the Lord said, and tell my people that they've come into a time called divine reversal. How many remember the divine reversal message? So in divine reversal, um, when, when I started studying this out, I found Deuteronomy 23, 5 that says, the Lord declares, I will turn the curse to a blessing for you because I love you, says the Lord. The Lord says, I will turn your mourning into dancing. <laughs> and at the time, I was actually studying and reading in the book of Esther. And you remember in the book of Esther, it was the story of this, this, this man that was an, a, an opponent of Israel, demon-possessed. His name was Haman, not Haman. Let's just be clear, okay? Not Haman, all right? Haman, let's just say it together, Haman, okay? And he issued a decree of death and destruction against God's people. And we know the story that Esther went before the king. He stretched out his scepter of favor to her and he said, Esther, ask whatever you want and it will be done up to half my kingdom. I'm telling you, this is the season we are in right now where we're coming before God's throne of grace. God's stretching out his golden scepter of favor over your life. And he is saying, ask what you want. Ask what you want and I will do it for you. And so she told him, this is what's gone on. And the king said back to her, listen, Esther, here's the plan. I want you, you yourself, to write a new decree. Come on, there's a decree of death and destruction and robbery, like your pastor was saying. He was about to preach my message. Seriously. There's a decree against you, but here's the strategy. You yourself write a new decree. So I'm going to give you homework right off the bat. You need to go home and write a new decree. And the thing about decreeing the things that God wants to do in your life is part of it comes out of that prophetic word that God is speaking. 
part of it comes out of the things that God has spoken to your heart and given you as a destiny. And you write those things as a decree. You yourself write a new decree. Write it in the king's name. Seal it with the king's signet ring. Because whatever is written in the king's name cannot be reversed. We need to go home and write some decrees. Let me just say this. Sometimes it's easier to discern what the devil has decreed than what God has decreed. But I promise you this is that the only reason the devil can decree something over your life is because God first decreed the opposite. Okay, get this. God is the creator, the innovator, and the initiator. All things are by him. Right? The devil is only an imitator. And a counterfeiter. And so if the enemy is speaking things like poverty or lack over your life, it's because God first spoke blessing and prosperity. If the the enemy is speaking sickness over your life or confusion over your mind, it's because God first declared you could be in health and that you could walk in peace and clarity and revelation. Come on. Anything the enemy has spoken over you, just reverse it and begin to decree, this is what God has for me. You yourself write a new decree. So we do this. We write decrees. Several years ago, we decreed for each one of our adult children. Our oldest daughter had just moved to New York. She needed a job. God said that he was going to give her a good job, so we wrote a decree. God opened the right doors for her. God gave her a fabulous job, working for a great company, and when they offered her the job, they, paid, they offered to pay her $10,000 more than what she asked for. Come on. But we decreed that God would do that. Our daughter and, and her husband received prophetic words about... Um, Uh, about being positioned in positions of influence in our community. So we started decreeing, Lord, take uh, take our son and and daughter-in-law and put them in the right place in our community so that they can have maximum kingdom influence. Just a couple months later, our son-in-law heard the Lord speak to him to run for public office. And he ran at 29 years old and won a seat in our local government and was put in at the age of 30 Make a decree. Come on. Our son Jason, our, our, our uh, I would say our favorite son. He was like 12 when he said, oh wait, I'm your only son. So, okay. But we have a son named Jason, a son-in-law named Jason, a grandson named Jason, a nephew named Jason. Are there any other Jasons here? Okay. <laughs> but our son Jason and his wife um, were living in a mobile home. Now, I just want to say that when you live in a mobile home, you call it a mobile home. When you move out, you call it a trailer, okay? So we lived lived in a trailer for 12 years, okay? So I get it, all right? But one of their children was having some allergic reaction to some of the materials in the mobile home, so they needed to get into a a construction house. And so we began to decree, Lord, move our kids into a house. And two months later, they moved into our house 
which was really not the way I saw that whole thing playing out, okay? So we had to go back and we had to write a new, new decree. <laughs> Get them in their own house. That's right. <laughs> I forgot a very important word. <laughs> so be careful what you say. But in the book of Esther, Esther and Mordecai wrote a new decree. And in Esther chapter 9, verse 1, it said, On the day that the enemy of the Jews hoped to have power over them, the reverse occurred. Come on, divine reversal. The reverse occurred. And instead, the Jews had power over those that hated them. You see, the decree of the enemy, the decree of Haman was this. Wherever you find a Jew on this day, you can kill them and take their property. And so Esther and Mordecai wrote a decree that said, and if you're Jewish and somebody tries that, you can defend yourself and wipe them out. Understand, we're, we're not talking about flesh and blood right now. Okay? We're talking about contending for the things that God has promised to us. It's a comeback year. But we got to get ourselves in the right place and understand this divine reversal that God is wanting to bring. You know, when I looked this word reverse up in 2015, I found out in the Hebrew, it is the word hapak, which strangely enough was the Strong's Concordance number. A Strong's Concordance is a reference book that teaches you in Hebrew what the words mean. But it, each one of the words are the num, words are numbered, and it was the Strong's Concordance number 2015. Isn't that interesting? And so, 2000, 2015. Let me just give this. It means to overturn, to change, to overthrow. To turn around, come on. How many, are, how many need some things to turn around? To turn around, to transform, to be reversed. This is your year, your time of divine reversal. And just in case anybody here feels like, oh, well, that was 2015. Let me just say, when I kind of peeked ahead in Strong's Concordance and I found out that the words for 2016 and the words for Strong's 2017 also mean to turn around. We are in that three-year period of time where God is saying, I'm going to turn the curse to a blessing for you. And I am going to bring divine reversals for you. Look at 2016, a variation on the same word. And it means to turn but it has the sense of contrariness, opposition. You go in a little deeper into that word, you find out it means chaos and contention. How many turn on the news for 30 seconds? I mean, that's all you need, 30 seconds to realize that that's what's been happening. Come on, we're in this time of turning but it's coming with chaos, contention, opposition. And you know, last year I was studying in Ezekiel 37, which is about the Valley of Dry Bones. And in the story of the Valley of Dry Bones, God takes Ezekiel out there and he shows the prophet this valley full of dry bones, which, which is an indicator of a place where a great battle had taken place and it had ended in bitter defeat. 
Let me tell you, some of you feel like you've been in some battles in this last season, and you may not feel like you came out of that battle victorious. But I am telling you, your setback was only a setup for your comeback. Because in the valley of dry bones, those bones were scattered and they were very dry. A place of great defeat. And God took the prophet out there and he said, prophet, can these bones live? I love Ezekiel's answer. He was like, oh Lord, only thou knowest. (laughs) You know what his answer was? prophesy to the dry bones tonight there are some dry bones in your lives that just look like a valley of dry bones tonight as we release an impartation there's resurrection life that's going to bring some dry bones to life And in that story it says that suddenly after he prophesied there was a sound of shaking Do you know that word mean, that word shaking literally means the sound of chaos, the sound of contention, the sound of confusion. And in the middle of that, God was bringing a resurrection life. Come on, some of you have been being shaken and God is saying, I'm shaking everything that can be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. But we serve a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm telling you that your setback is only a setup for your comeback. 2017 means to turn around but it also means to upset you can take that two ways how many of you been a little upset if not just again turn on the news for 30 seconds okay something will upset you okay but an upset also means Somebody coming from behind that is not expected to win. And they perpetrate an upset. Church, I'm telling you what. We are in a season where we're going to upset the plans of the enemy. We are going to see an upset of the plans of the enemy. We're going to see it in our personal lives. We're going to see it in our families. We're going to see it for our kids and our kids' kids. We're going to see it for our communities as we upset the plans of the enemy. And the thing that the enemy thought he had working so well, I'm telling you what, you are here to be an ambassador of the kingdom to bring an upset to the enemy's plans. It also means to turn things upside down. The same word, turnaround, means to turn things upside down. And I said to the Lord when I read that, God, it sure looks to me like everything's already upside down. But you know in Acts chapter 17, when the early church showed up, you know what? I was studying the 17th chapters. In the early church, they were called those who turn the world upside down so when we show up on the scene and things are upside down we have the capacity and the anointing to turn things right side up come on guys we are the right side up church we're going to turn things right side up divine reversal now since that time we have literally seen blind eyes open deaf ears here, degenerative diseases of the bone healed, barren 
wombs opened, really, seriously, barren wombs open. We've seen prodigals come home. We've seen legal situations that seemed doomed to a bad outcome turn around and have a favorable outcome. We've seen divorces, people sitting at a divorce table, look across the table into each other's eyes and fall madly in love with each other, tear up the divorce. I'm not kidding you. Tear up the divorce papers. Fall madly in love with each other again. We're in a time of divine reversal. This nation is in a messy, messy time of divine reversal. Do you realize that this year, October 31st, 2017, will be the 500-year anniversary of the church reformation, the Protestant reformation? Since the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church and made this declaration, the just shall live by faith. Let me tell you, that's a glorious time in church history, but do you realize after he did that, they tried to kill him? You know why? Because reformation is messy. Turnaround is messy. And you may feel you looking at your life and you're going, yep, well, I qualify. Things are messy. You're in the middle of a turnaround. You're in the middle of your comeback. Divine reversal. Now, let me show you a couple pictures. This is, uh, let's see if we can put this up. Do you have the picture of the the family? Is that possible to put the the family? I think it's above that, yeah. I'll show you Lucas in a minute, but I'll show you the whole. This is um, our seven grandkids. When you get to this stage, you just cut the kids right out. Go straight for the grandkids. Okay, sorry kids, but we do love our grandbabies. And then you can go to the next picture. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Lucas. Now, two years ago, we told you about Lucas. When the Lord spoke to us about divine reversal, Lucas is now four years old. Isn't he cute as a button? Um, Lucas was born with a condition called Williams syndrome. It's a genetic deletion. He's missing 26 genes along his DNA strand. And when he was born, um, he had a lot of issues in his heart, in his brain, Um, A lot of different things. They said that these children are severely learning disabled. Um, He has been blessed to actually be um, evaluated uh, each month and every year in person by the nation's expert on the development of Williams Syndrome children. And she says that she has never seen a Williams child as advanced as he is, as smart as he is. He has at least an average... Uh, IQ, where most of the time these children do not have. They're very, very below average. And let me just tell you, he is a living, breathing, walking miracle. Amen? And the very day that the Lord gave me the word about divine reversal back in 2015, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you the, the little story that he had been diagnosed with compression on his brain in October of 2014. And they said, we um, need to do surgery, but he's too young. It's too dangerous for him. So we're going to wait six months and then we'll do surgery. However, while we wait, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And one of the things that they said could go wrong was that he could actually, because of where the compression was, he could actually lose the use of, his, uh, of an arm or a leg. And if that were to occur, the damage would be permanent. 
the way the doctor said it was, it would be irreversible. Well, the very day that the Lord is speaking to me and saying, tell my people it's time for divine reversal. What we didn't know is that that morning when Lucas got out of bed, he had lost the use of his left leg. And the doctor said the damage would be, listen to the language, irreversible. But we had a word from God that declared divine reversal. So we prayed over him. We prophesied over him. Nothing changed the first day. Nothing changed the second day. But on the third day, come on, on the third day, he got out of his bed. He started running around the house and his leg was completely restored because we serve a God that is a God of divine reversal and a God that is a God of comebacks. Come on. At four years old now, he's had another miracle. Ever since he's five months old, they've said he would need open heart surgery. Every six months, going to the doctor. Every six months, them looking at the condition of his heart, saying, maybe in six months we'll need to do this. But we've been praying. We've been decreeing over his little life. And I want you to know he went for his regular round of tests in January this year. They sent those tests off to the premier cardiologist that deals with Williams Syndrome children. And he sent back a letter that said, all of these issues, I see all these issues that he's had in the past, but I can tell you, this issue has resolved itself. This issue no longer exists. This issue has essentially gone away. This issue is gone. I tell you right now, there will be no need for any cardiac intervention, no open heart surgery. I don't know what happened. Come on. We serve a God of miracles. Now, it's one thing for me to stand up here and tell you about miracles and that you can receive it. I want to tell you something. We've had to press through. We've had a battle for our kids and for our de their destiny. Esther chapter 9, on the day that the enemy of the Jews hoped to have power of them, the reverse occurred. And instead, the Jews had power over those that hated them. It goes on to talk in that chapter about the Jewish celebration of Purim, which became the annual celebration where God says, I turned your sorrow into joy. I turned your mourning into dancing. Come on, I turned your grief into celebration. And that is the season we are in right now. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're bearing right now. I don't know what burden you're carrying, but I am telling you, we are in a time of divine reversal. And if God will do that for little Lucas, I'm telling you, God will do it for you. God will do it for your family. God will do it for your kids and your grandkids. God will bring a turnaround into your circumstance. Purim is known as the Feast of Reversals. So let me tell you about this year's Day of Purim. Last summer, our daughter, Crystal, our oldest daughter, she lives in New York City. She's a big city girl now. And uh, she had migraines, so she went to see a doctor. And through several different tests, they determined that she actually had two aneurysms inside her brain sac on her brain. Inoperable. And a rupture 
would mean certain death. Certain, sudden death. Let me just say, we preach and pray and prophesy over the world. But let me tell you, we still got to fight battles. And the devil makes it personal when he touches our kids. Two aneurysms. They saw them on an MRI. They saw them on an MRA. They saw them on an MRI with contrast. And the doctor said in January, these look very dangerous. I've got to get in there to see what I can do to put a stint in or to maybe have to do brain surgery because if these things rupture, you won't survive. 33 years old. A decree of death and destruction over her life. They needed to get her in right away. So the right away happened to be the time I was supposed to come and be with you. So we, Pastor Huey was so gracious to allow me to reschedule to this time so I could fly up to New York to be with our daughter as she went in for an angiogram where they went up through her leg, through her heart, up into her carotid arteries, up into her brain. And when she went into that procedure that morning, the doctor had a very long face, very serious, very sad. When he came out of that procedure, he had an ear-to-ear grin and he said, there are no aneurysms on your brain. brought her home from the procedure, tucked her into bed, and I had to run to the grocery stores about 11 o'clock that night. And as I walked into the grocery store in Brooklyn, New York, there was a Jewish man all decked out in his Jewish garb. And he was in the line in front of me in the grocery store and he was buying a book, a study on the book of Esther. And I said to him, you know, I'm a Christian. I said, but I love the book of Esther. And he's, because this is what I've been preaching since 2015 about this divine turnaround. And he said, well, then you would know that today is actually Purim. So her divine reversal happened on the holiday that celebrates God's reversals. Hallelujah. God is a good God. I'm just, I'm just trying to get your faith to a place to say, you know what? If God did it for you, God can do it for me. If God did it for your kids, for your grandkids, he can do it for my grandkids. It is a time to, for a comeback. It's a time for divine reversal. The second thing I want you to understand, though, is that it's also a time for contending. We're going to have to fight for this, guys. Now, I know that Jesus won the battle when he hung on the cross. But have you ever figured out that there's still a devil on this earth that wants to undermine that victory? So this year is a very special year on the Hebrew calendar. This is the year 5777. There's got to be something good about three sevens. So this is, if you were to actually take this year, the sevens in the Hebrew, and actually write the number seven, what you would be writing is a vav, which is a a picture of a sword or a spike that connects things because God's connecting heaven, heaven and earth. And it looks like a sword, but the number seven 
is a sword that has a crown on it. So I want to talk for just a minute about the sword and then we want to talk about the crown because it's your comeback here. Amen? The sword is the sword of contending. And one of the things that I've had really in my crosshairs this year because I really felt like the Lord said, tell my people, it is a year of victory. It is a year of triumph. But have you ever figured out that there is no victory without a battle? (laughs) So we've got to fight. And I heard the Lord say, tell the people of God, to fight forward. Fight forward. Quit going back and back and back and getting caught in all the old junk. All the old stuff. Get your head turned around, looking to the future and start grabbing a hold of that. Come on, deal with whatever you need to deal with so that you can move forward. Fight forward. So as I was studying the 17th chapter, I came to Exodus chapter 17, which I found out was actually the very first place where Israel ever fought a battle as an army. Exodus 17. So I'm going to read you that passage because I've quoted you about 50, 11 scriptures already, but I don't think we've read one. And some of you aren't going to believe we're in church unless we read one, okay? So... Let's read a scripture, all right? Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Let me help you understand where this is. They've been through the Red Sea. God just wiped out Pharaoh's armies. The Red Sea has collapsed. They're now moving across the wilderness towards the promised land. And all of a sudden they are encountered by this demonic tribe called the Amalekites. And it says, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Rephidim means resting place. Very important as we talk about this. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. But when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. Let me just say, this is not a time for you to be alone in a battle. You better have your Aaron and hers and you better be an Aaron and her to somebody else so that we're in this thing together. They supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And it actually goes on to say, God said, I want you to write a memorial in this place and I want you to write my name, Jehovah Nisi. Come on, the Lord, uh, the Lord God is my banner. And God is declaring, the Lord God is my banner. God is declaring, I will be your banner. I will be your victory. I will be the one that you can look to and say, I remember when God did this and God did that. And the times of deliverance and the times of great victory. He says, because I swear, you will have conflict. You will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. 
Now that really got my attention. We're going to fight Amalek forever. That's what God said. Gee, I was not excited about this. I'm, all, I'm more about just wipe them all out, God. But you know what Amalek means? Amalek means fierce plunderers. Amalek is a spirit of robbery. What is what he came he came to 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 inter, to interfere with them moving in to the promised land. Spirit of robbery that came. It's an antichrist spirit. It hates the anointing. It hates revival. It hates resurgence. It hates your comeback. It hates your divine reversal. Where did he fight him? He fought him in Rephidim, the resting place. The very first thing the enemy wants to steal from you is he wants to steal your place of rest. He wants to steal your place of peace. He wants to steal your place of connecting to God. And I just want to point out what Moses did when he stood and he lifted his hands as he was saying, I am going to connect, be the connector between heaven and earth. Because as long as I'm connected to heaven, there can be victory on the earth. Some of you are trying, are getting worn out fighting because you're just fighting the battle in your flesh and you're forgetting the first thing we got to do is we got to connect to heaven. And when we connect to heaven, I'm telling you, God will give you rest. God will give you grace. God will give you peace that passes understanding. One of the first things I know the enemy wants to rob your money. He wants to rob different things. But let me tell you, one of the first things he wants to rob is your connection to God. He wants to rob your connection to God. He wants to make you think God's mad at you. He wants to make you think God's abandoned you. He wants you to believe that God is not faithful. And I'm telling you, God is faithful every single time. But here's the way Jesus said it in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Come on, we're talking about the spirit of robbery. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So let me give you the definition of this word abundance. It means super abundant in, qu in quantity, superior in quality, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. This is what Jesus says you can have. Just lift your hands up right now. Super abundant in quantity, superior in quality, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond, more. The definition goes on and says more and more. More eminent, more remarkable, more excellent. Listen to the definition. More than necessary more than necessary, super added. I didn't even know that was a word. Super added. Come on, some of you, the thief has been stealing from you, robbing from you. Jesus said, I came to give you abundance of life. Tonight, we're going to release an abundance of life over your life. And we're going to break every place that the enemy has tried to steal from you, rob from you, kill your dreams, kill your hope, kill your faith. And God is going to restore it to you. <laughs> Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. You know what that means? That means 
understand that your heart is a throne and that God's peace should sit on that throne. Romans 19 verse 20 says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Come on, peace is a weapon of warfare. Peace is a weapon of warfare. And here's my new favorite scripture. Um, is that, can you go back up? Yeah, Philippians 4. Philippians 4 something. Philippians 4, 7. Let the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me just show you this word keep. This word keep in the Greek means let the peace of God act as a military sentinel, a watchman that watches over what comes in and what goes out and guards the access to your heart and mind against hostile invasion. Come on, let the peace of God act as a sentinel to guard against hostile invasion. Anything the enemy sends against your heart, sends against your mind to try to get you disconnected from heaven, to get you out of a place where you believe that God is who he said he is. Come on, we're going to break the spirit of robbery. We're breaking the spirit of robbery tonight. He wants to steal your rest. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your resources. He wants to steal your prosperity. He wants to take your stuff. But just listen to a couple scriptures. <laughs> Exodus chapter 22 verse 7 says, If you catch a thief, he must restore double. There's actually a scripture in Proverbs that says, If you catch a thief, he's got to restore seven times. <laughs> Isaiah 61 verse 7 says for your shame I will give you double honor and for your confusion you'll rejoice in your portion in your land say in my land I will possess double say that and everlasting joy shall be mine let me give that to you out of the Message Bible because I love the way it says it. It says it like this. Because you got more than your fair share of trouble and are over overwhelmed by contempt, your inheritance in your land is going to be double and your joy is going to go on forever. Come on, I'm telling you, it is time to understand that the spirit of robbery has had its day and had its way, but no more. We're in a comeback year. And when we come back, we're getting all our stuff back too. Come on, we're getting our family back. We're getting our peace back. We're getting our health back. We're getting our finances back. We're stepping into the blessings of God. Our, one of our head intercessors at the church had a dream just a couple months ago, which has me preaching on this again. I preached on this a lot a couple years ago. But she had a dream at the beginning of this year. 
And it, this happened actually right after her house actually got robbed. They got robbed of thousands of dollars worth of stuff back in December. And then she had this dream a few weeks later. And in the dream, she had, um, she, she realized that they were being robbed again. So she woke up her husband and said, let's go down and let's catch these thieves in the dream. So they went down and they laid hold of this guy that was the thief. And she said, why are you robbing me? And he just smiled at her and he said, because I can. And she said, well, tell me your name. And he said, I'm not going to tell you my name. She said, in the name of Jesus, tell me your name. And he said, okay, my name is Shame. You know what shame does? Shame says, you don't deserve to be blessed. Shame says, well, you made those mistakes. You didn't use wisdom. You didn't listen to God enough. You didn't blah, 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 blah. Always tries to disqualify us from blessing. And in the dream, she went, it went on and there was another noise and her husband came and had captured the second thief and Shame said, oh yeah, and that's my girlfriend, Pride. Pride said, I'll do it myself. Pride says, I don't need your help. I'm a self-made man. I got myself into this mess, I'll get myself out of this mess. Hey man, let me just say, it's good to get yourself out of a mess, but sometimes you need God's help and God's intervention to get you out of a mess, amen? But robbery will lock you up with shame or pride so that you forget to connect to heaven and say, God, I need your help. So I want to tell you what happened. They woke up from that dream. She and her husband repented of shame. They repented of pride. And the next day they got up and they went to their jobs. They run businesses. They, run, they have companies. And that very day they came home and people had driven by their house. They didn't tell anybody about this, but people had driven by their house that day putting money that they owed them in their mailbox. Not just one person. Several different people came and paid them what they were owed. Okay, then, to the tune of several thousand dollars, then they were living in a house that had gone into foreclosure. It wasn't their house, but they were renting it. And the bank called them that day and said, listen, we've sold your house, so you're going to need to move out. But if you'll get out in the next 45 days, we'll give you $4,500. They're like, yeah, I can, I can move out. Sure, that's, let's do this, okay? So then they decided they were going to go shop for a house with this newfound money that they had. So they went out the next day. This all happened within four or five days of this dream. They went out and they started shopping for a house and they realized with this down payment, they could only afford a you know, certain level small house. Our area is very expensive. And when they got home from shopping from the house, there, there was a message from a friend. She said, call me when you get in. The friend called her. She, she called her friend and the lady said to her, listen, I, I understand you guys are thinking about buying a house. She said, yes. Yeah. She said, well, what did you find? And she started describing. She says, no, 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 no. She says, the Lord spoke to me this morning. I'm to give you $50,000 to put down on your house. This lady, she, you'd have never guessed she had $50,000. 
but she get come on within four days they had almost sixty thousand dollars after having nothing because they broke the spirit of robbery off of their life amen now a couple years ago when i first started dealing with this I'd had a dream. I, I mean, I had a vision while we were in prayer. And I'm sorry, am I preaching too long? Okay. All right. Is your faith rising? Are you understanding this is not just going into your head and sinking down into your heart so that you realize what I'm talking about is for you? Okay. So a couple, a couple years ago, um, I was walking in our prayer room and I had a, a vision of a boxing ring. And in the boxing ring, there were two demonic spirits. They were not fighting each other. They were looking for an opponent. Kind of like Goliath looked for an opponent. Do you know what Goliath's name means? It means to strip you bare. Because guess what? That's what Goliath did so that the people wouldn't fight. One of the ways that we fight back against this is that we prophesy to the Goliaths in our lives. Because listen, Goliath said, huh, you send this little boy out to fight me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut off your head and feed you to the birds of the air. And what did David do? He didn't quiver in his boots. He went out and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that you should defy the armies of the living God? This day, I'm gonna take your head from you and I'm gonna feed you to the birds of the air and I'm gonna defeat you. Come on, David started to prophesy because let me just tell you something. The devil's been busy prophesying to some of you or maybe I should say prophesying to you. The devil's been prophesying to you about your future, your destiny, your kids, your finances, your business, your ministry. He's been telling you all the things, all the reasons why you cannot be blessed, why you cannot have your own personal divine reversal, your own time of turnaround, your own time where you see robbery broken and the thief pay you back double. <laughs> and when you hear the devil do that, you got to prophesy right back. So in this dream, I saw these two demonic spirits. The one was named the devourer. One was named the destroyer. And they were mocking the crowd. Come fight us, come fight us. And nobody moved. And I was getting so frustrated. I was like, somebody get in there and knock their heads off. Make them be quiet. But nobody moved. And I looked around the crowd and I could see there were people from the church. There were Christians. These were believers. And the devourer and the destroyer were just mocking them, taunting them. And they wouldn't move. And I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't understand why they didn't get in the ring and fight. And in the vision, I suddenly understood. Because you know how when boxers come out, they wear the, that, the robe on their back. I'm not a big boxing fan, but you know, they wear the robe on their back that says their name or whatever. But instead of devour and destroyer, they're dancing around in the ring with these robes. And on the back of the robes, it said these words. This is just life. So I can devour and I can destroy and you're not going to do anything about it because you think this is just life. This is just what happens when you get older. Your body starts to break down. You start to get sick. This is just what happens in a bad economy. This is just what happens when you send your kids to school. How many things has the enemy stolen from us? 
And our response was, this is just life. Instead of realizing we've been robbed and we've got to start taking back what the enemy has stolen from us. So here's the second part of your assignment. Go home and make, file a robbery report. Because you know what? If you went home and your house was robbed, that's not a prophetic word, okay? If you went home and your house was robbed, you would call the police, right? And the police would say, so tell me what you've lost. And that is the first step in you getting your stuff back. Some of you need to go home and find out what have you lost. Not just money. Maybe you've lost peace. Maybe you've lost joy. Maybe you've lost vision. Maybe you've lost health. Maybe you've lost your family. Maybe you've lost favor. I'm telling you, whatever you've lost, God is saying, I want to turn the curse to a blessing for you. Because God wants to destroy robbery off of our lives. And we're going to take it back tonight. We're going to receive that impartation of dead bones coming to life. We're going to receive that impartation of abundant life and the breaking off and the breaking free of every constriction and hindrance from the enemy that wants to hold us back. One last thing. Let me just say this about the prosperity and how the Amalekites feed into that. It was the Amalekites that worked with the Midianites to rob the threshing floors in the days of Judges chapter 6, in the days of of, uh, Gideon. It was the Amalekites that robbed David's wives and children and possessions at Ziklag, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Which leads me into the third thing, is that the enemy wants to rob not just our prosperity, but our posterity. Our kids. Our kids' kids. Your seed. Your natural seed. Your spiritual seed. posterity means that which follows after you and it circles us right back around to the book of Esther because remember Haman Haman well he was an Agagite do you know who Agag was he was the king of the Amalekites the spirit of robbery I'm telling you we are in a time that God has decreed divine reversal and if we contend we'll begin to see things taken back we're seeing this break loose in our church left and right right now people being blessed but I'll tell you one story I don't know if I told you about Rick Everett last time I was here the guy that does the educational stuff in the schools did I talk about that at all I'll tell you because y'all don't remember (laughs) I love to tell a story again this guy named Rick, he's in our, in our church, faithful deacons in the house of the Lord. He, he was a partner in a business. And the business had a mission to provide some kind of technology for Florida school systems. So they were implementing it um, into each um, school one at a time and, and downloading it and putting, putting this stuff in. Actually, he talked to me and I said, now what exactly do you do? And it sounded like this to me. I didn't understand anything he said. So it sounded like Charlie Brown's mother, okay? I had no idea. So some kind of technology, what he does, okay? And they were operating on a $1.5 million budget um, each year to implement this. Well, when everything went bad in the economy, his grant from the state got canceled. 
And when his grant from the state got canceled, basically they had to lay off all their employees. They lived on their savings. They had to pretty much shut their doors and regroup because their business was going under. Because this was all they did. When, when Rick heard us preach about making decrees and when Rick heard us preach about the spirit of robbery, he looked at his wife and he said, we've been robbed. We've been robbed and we're going to fight to take back what is ours. So he went back and got another application and filed again with the state for the funding to do this project. And they brought it to us. They had us lay hands on it. They made a decree. They sowed. They did the things that God, they knew to do. And they said, would you lay hands on this and we're going to just pray over it. And so we prayed over it and we said, listen, don't get discouraged if they tell you no before they tell you yes. Listen to me, church. Some of you have gotten the answer no and you just went, oh well. Don't let no be the final answer. Come on, this is a time to fight for what is yours. Amen? (laughs) So, the next two weeks later, they heard from the state. They got a call from our Senate office and the state Senate said, you know, we explained to you before that there's no funding for this project right now. We're going to have to stamp your application denied. I'm sorry. Better luck next year. And they hung up the phone and they said, remember Apostles Tom and Jane said they would tell us no before they told us yes. Woohoo! That means that yes is on the way. And they were doing like a happy dance in their house. They just got told no, but they were doing a happy dance. You know why? Because they were letting the peace of God rule in their hearts. They were letting the peace of God act as the sentinel that determined what went out and what came in. Two days later, they got a call from somebody else in the state Senate department. They said, well, we see that your application was approved. He didn't like question them. He just was like, oh yes, oh, of course it is, yes. And they said, so we've done some digging in your case and we found out that you should never have been defunded last year in the first place. So the first thing we're going to do is restore, restore the $1.5 million that should have been yours last year. Then we are going to begin to accelerate the program. So we are going to double this year's money. So you should be getting a check soon for $4.5 million to move your project forward. So it gets a little better than that, okay? Next week, they got a call from the governor's office. We see this project you're working on. We want to bring it to a full acceleration. So the first phone call they got raised that annual amount to $9 million. The second raised it to $17 million. And the third raised it to $25 million for that year alone. The following year, they were called to go to Washington, D.C., and they were given a national contract for $75 million, all because they refused to allow the spirit of robbery to rob from them. They got into the rink and they took back what belonged to them. Amen? I'm telling you, if God did it for them, God do it for you. Amen? So I want you to stand to your feet. And as you're standing, I'm going to just talk to you about the crown. The crown. Because I just want to decree this over you. Remember the sword with the crown on it. 
Well, here's a scripture for you to walk away with. Isaiah 65, 11. You have crowned your year with goodness. Your paths drip with abundance. When I say the word abundance, please don't just think money. It's really not just money. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is an abundance of anointing. As a matter of fact, this word goodness means beautiful things. You've crowned this year with beautiful things. Cheerfulness, joy. Just lift your hands up. Joy, favor, wealth, prosperity. I'll make you happy. I'll give you good things and I'll make everything beautiful because your paths are going to drip with fatness, with the fatness of the anointing, with the fatness of fertility, the fatness of prosperity. The anointing is going to drip from you everywhere you go so that you can be like Jesus who was a man anointed by God who went about doing good doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So I want you just to say, God, make me fat. (laughs) I see you guys making all these stipulations. (laughs) Some of you just didn't even say it. I I can see it, okay? (laughs) Spiritually fat, that's right. Somebody sent me a prayer last year and said, Lord, this year I pray that you'll give me a fat bank account and a skinny body. Lord, please don't get it mixed up like you did last year, okay? (laughs) Come on. God wants to make us fat this year. The fatness of the anointing. The yoke is destroyed because of the fatness of the anointing. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you were encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.